Hi, welcome to the Phoenix Athens podcast. Our mission at Phoenix Athens is to make disciples who experience, enjoy, and display God's love and glory. Our goal with this podcast is to provide a way for you to learn and grow with us as a church body. If you're more visual, you can watch these sermons online on our YouTube channel links below. We hope this episode encourages and edifies you. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Uh, Welcome. Um... Let's just do while we're laughing. Let's do something fun real quick. Um, I need four volunteers who are willing to just like, give a guess. All right, I, We're going to do kind of Price is Right style. I don't know if you remember this, but I'm going to ask a question. It's going to have a number that you will assign to it, and your goal is to get as close to that number, the answer, without going over. Okay? You ready? So I'm going to start over here. So one, two, three, four. Okay? Um, how many times do you think the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the New Testament? Oh, by the way, I have a free coffee. I have a, a thing for free coffee. Should have volunteered earlier. <laughs> Who, who's, who's the guesser over here? All right. Without going over. And don't say a dollar at the end. 63. 63, all right. And you number two? 45, right here, 70, what you got, 113, come get your gift. You're welcome, enjoy that. Here's the truth, she said 113, she wasn't even halfway correct. Over 250 times in the New Testament alone, the Holy Spirit is specifically mentioned. Question, how many times does God have to talk about something before it's important? But 250 times the Holy Spirit is talked about in just the New Testament. About 60 of those times are in the book of Acts. The book of Acts isn't like the epistles where they're teaching you how to do the faith. The book of Acts is a historical account where it's just talking about what happened. But because of how the things that happened, it was so important to express how they happened that at least 60 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in a historical account. We're walking through this series talking about our core values, and we haven't gotten past the first one, being biblically grounded and spiritually empowered. We're spiritually empowered because we're biblically grounded. How could we possibly be a church, a New Testament church, a Bible-believing New Testament church that is biblically grounded but yet not emphasize the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives that's talked about over 250 times in just the New Testament? How can we do that? So we've been walking through talking about what does that mean? Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do in relation to the Trinity, in relation to his ministry here in the world among us? We talked about last week the fruit that, that the Holy Spirit comes in to, to, to bear, to change our character and sanctification and making us more like Jesus, who is the very nature of God himself, the Father how he works to produce within us fruit of his presence within us. And then today, we're going to go through 
a couple of fun things regarding the Holy Spirit. But I want you to go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God with me. Ephesians chapter 5. Yeah, but I'll, I'll get it. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 15. I've been told that I don't wait long enough, usually, when I say turn here. So I'm going to give you a moment. I like to blaze through it, but it's because I'm so excited to get to God's Word. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 15. It should be behind me as well. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I've walked us through this before. The Greek in that says, be continually filled with the Spirit. Ongoing command Y'all, to the Ephesians, believers, continually be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father, I thank you right now that it is your heart's desire to see this lived out. You don't want to give us a command and make it impossible. You want to see us succeed. We are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good deeds that we would actually walk in them, Father. We've walked through understanding how we can't accomplish these things apart from you, apart from your spirit at work within us, God. And so we just come this morning with open hands, with open hearts, with open ears, asking that you would clear our minds and fill us with you. Father, I just want to ask and beg that you would fill every word that I have to say this morning. God, I, I, I want to do what we regularly do and just submit this time unto you, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. I'm fully aware that Peter had a very practice, not just practice, but a very experiential understanding of witnessing and telling the gospel story. But when he went to the Gentiles, when he went to Cornelius's house, you decided you didn't want to wait till he was done. So Father, if you so desire to fill people in this room while I'm still yet talking, your will be done. And we say yes and amen. I thank you that you love to give us yourself. The penultimate display on the cross where Jesus, you gave us yourself in our place. And where that should have been enough you still went beyond. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys may be seated. Here's what I want to accomplish today. <laughs> and you guys know we, we could spend so many weeks, and we have talked about a number of these things. 
Um, I want to talk about when it comes to being biblically grounded and spiritually empowered, and under the topic of being spiritually empowered, I want to very briefly cover the topics of what does it mean when we talk about being empowered? Like, we hear being filled with the Spirit, being baptized by the Spirit, being clothed with power. There's a lot of different phrases that get used in there. Well, I also want to talk about um, the, the, the two concepts of being sealed with the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. You guys don't know how many times I've practiced saying that together so that I don't come out sounding country as all get out saying sealed and filled. I know you guys from Alabama, I love it, but like maybe I should have to make you feel more at home. Sealed and filled, right? But like sealed and filled with the Spirit. I act like we're not still in Georgia. Sorry. Sealed and filled. What is that? What does that mean scripturally? I'm, let me just lay out the, um, because there's a lot of people that come from a lot of different places. And listen, uh, I grew up not talking about any of those concepts really a whole lot, right? I, I want to make sure that when we have this conversation, we never assume that, oh, just because churches or people go to churches that don't talk about being filled with the Spirit, that they don't have the Spirit, because that is absolutely wrong. But there is a difference between being sealed with the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. So I wanna, uh, I'm going to bring a couple of, I'm just going to lay the scene for you real quick in a couple of different parts of Scripture of where we can't afford to just act like, no, it's okay, that's, that's, that's not really important, or it's not a different thing, okay? Let me lay this out for you. In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus had just risen again from the dead. He resurrected, and he's appearing to his disciples um, and it says that when he met with his disciples in the upper room in John chapter 20, verse 22, that Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's John 20. Luke's account, so in both Luke chapter 24 and in Acts 1, because Luke wrote both Luke and Acts, so he picks up in Acts where he kind of finished in Luke. Uh, in that account, um, we see that uh, it, it, it says the same thing, where, where he has met together with his disciples. We see in John 20 where he breathed out the Holy Spirit upon them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he tells them in both Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1, hey, don't go and do any ministry until you have been clothed with power. You will receive power from on high, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he's established the new covenant. He's died and rose again, appeared to them. He has now with his disciples breathed on them saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And then immediately after that tells them, but don't you dare go and do anything until you have been clothed with power by the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you. Okay, that's, that's interesting, but maybe that's just like the very beginning with disciples. It's a little different. I continue. <laughs> Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. They were gathered together, not just the disciples, but the other followers and believers were gathered together in the upper room, and they began to, to be as a wind, and there were, there were flaming tongues like fire that came above their heads, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began proclaiming the excellencies of God in multiple languages that they did not know. The day of Pentecost happens. That's Acts chapter 2. Just two chapters later, we see where the disciples are they are going all out and proclaiming. This has, I mean, thousands were added on the day of Pentecost to the church. Well, when you start preaching a gospel that's a little different than religion and the religious structure, they don't like that. And so the leaders 
are gathering them together. And in Acts chapter 4, we see where Peter and John are, are, are arrested and they're brought before the leaders. And, and they, in the spirit, start proclaiming wisdom that they can't even begin to understand. And eventually they release Peter and John. They be, we'll go into that later. Uh, they, they release Peter and John. They come back to the church. So they're experiencing persecution. And what is their response? They pray, thanking the Lord for being found worthy to suffer for the gospel. But they, in the face of persecution, the very people who crucified Jesus, they pray for boldness to continue preaching Jesus. Asking the Lord to extend his mighty right hand, performing signs and wonders and miracles so that this gospel would be validated in front of people, would be exemplified. And how does the Lord respond? It says in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, that the place where they were was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In case you're wondering what the Greek word used there for all, it's all. Todos. All. Sorry, that was Spanish. I have no idea why I did that. Oh, I heard Deborah laughing in the back. She's Argentinian. Yeah. Swahili, Kila. Kila Mtu. Every person, every single person was filled, including the same disciples who were filled at Pentecost, who were also breathed upon in the upper room. Filled. So we also, if we jump forward to Acts chapter 6, we see where the apostles are being kind of overwhelmed by a bunch of questions and tasks, and uh, the Hellenistic Jewish widows are, are not, are the Hellenistic believers, um, the widows were not receiving their, their fair share of, of the daily bread, and, and they say, hey, you appoint for yourself, this is where we get deacons from, you appoint for yourself deacons who will do this. And then they give a list of qualifications. Who are the apostles talking to? Believers, the church, saying, hey, among you, pick out several men of this quality. These are the qualifications that are required. Care to guess what one of those qualifications was? Full of the Spirit. Question. If you just receive all you will ever get of the Holy Spirit at the moment of your salvation, why would they need to tell believers that they need a qualification of being full of the Spirit. But here's my challenge. I was almost tempted to, to say, like, make this the title. Like, would you qualify? Do people look at my life? Do they look at your life and say, oh, full of the Spirit? The challenge I want to sit with, uh, I want us to sit with and allow to carry on. Some of you ladies may be, well, I'm a lady. It's just a guy. Nope, sorry, scripture says there's deaconess Phoebe, so you're not excused. We have proof. <laughs> but would you qualify? Would people look at you and say, full of the Spirit? And if not, why not? Why wait? Can I tell you how much I would love for us to have an entire church of people qualified to be deacons and elders? All right. So I want to do something. 
Uh, some of you have been with us for a few years, and I love that. And uh, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use an illustration that I think will be helpful for us. You may have seen this before. I think that this will help us. This this does a good job. Of course, I'm the one who created it, so I think that. But uh, <laughs> Marcellus, can you do me a favor, buddy? Can you just fill that with some water from the baptismal pool? Draw from the water, Marcellus. Right here. Yep, right here. Are you thirsty? Oh, y'all should have seen John, our old worship leader, when we had like his, his pedal board like right here. He was, he was nervous the entire time. Okay. I'm going to use this as an illustration for us to kind of understand what we're talking about. I have a towel today. I came prepared this time. What? Praise God, yeah, praise the Lord. All right. Here we go. So in this illustration, we'll just start simple. We'll start with this container representing, anybody care to guess? The world, that's right. Good job. The world. Um, that was really funny to somebody. All right. Uh, this represents the world, and then we have also a cup here, which I want to represent person. Now it's a special cup because it's Georgia. But it is contextualization. Just what I want you guys to learn. Part of church planning is contextualize to the area you're at, right? Also, it's the only clear cup this size that I had. So This is you, a vessel, the world, right? And so we have us and we are in the world. Can you guys see that cup okay? Is it okay? Sorry. If it's a little cloudy, I apologize. Uh, and if you're on Spotify, check out the YouTube uh, later. So, unfortunately, what we have in the world and what we all know is that the world is full of deeds of the world, deeds of the flesh, sins of the world. And we see those things in the world, and we come along and say, you know what, I kind of like that. I think I'll do that. Oh, that looks pretty appealing. You know what? I deserve that. I mean, I might as well. I already... I don't even know what else to do. It doesn't take long before we are simply filled with the deeds of this world, the desires of the flesh, full of sin. It simply is not just in us. It is us. And Scripture says that if a single one of these metaphorical ping pong balls is in our life, when Jesus returns or calls us home, and it's not been dealt with, there's a price to pay, and it's eternal. And it's a separation from the Lord. And so we have this problem. We're filled with this, and there's nothing that we can do to rid ourselves of these things in and of ourselves. Just as this cup, if I set it down right here, it is completely and utterly unable to empty itself of these ping pong balls. It can do nothing. It requires an outside force. I would have to accidentally bump into this table and knock it over, but it didn't do anything because it can't do anything in and of itself to get rid of these things. But Scripture says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so what he does when we trust in him as a Lord and Savior and what he did for us is he comes and he takes those sins and says, I've made you new. He removes those sins from us. And then we receive something amazing. Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of the inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. When you trust in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you receive a down payment, a guarantee of what is to come forever in eternity, and that's the full presence of God. And so you receive, help me, Lord, a down payment. You are sealed. And then to, to help us see that, I have this cap upside down. I'm going to put it in there. very delicate. The Lord is gentle with us. Right? You're sealed. It's in there. It's not coming out. Sealed. With him, by him, with his spirit. And though we are in the world, we are still sealed in him. And that will never change. Nothing can pluck you from his hand. Your salvation is guaranteed through the guarantee of his spirit sealed within you. Here you are in there. But the problem in the conversation about being sealed with the Holy Spirit versus being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit is that most people are looking at the water and they're saying, I already have that. And if you were to add more, it's just the same thing as what I already have. And what I already have is just as capable of doing whatever this water can do. So some people come to the conversation of being filled with the Spirit and they're saying, I already have the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? Well, first of all, we've already talked about Scripture that proves that there is something beyond just the sealing of the Holy Spirit. We're using this as an illustration to understand that. But here's the thing. It's not about the water. It's actually about the cup. Many people use the following phrase here to explain the difference. It's not about how much of the Holy Spirit you have. It's about how much of you he has. That's going to be one of the first and huge keys that you need to understand in this concept of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not about can I go and get more of him like I go to the grocery store and collect more things. It's about how much of you does he have. That's the key to understanding being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're sealed here. But we all know that it's possible to be sealed with the Holy Spirit, to be a believer, and still yet say, oh, you know what? I kind of enjoy that. That looks fun. What kind of... My friends are doing that. I don't want to look weird. Nobody else see that. Nobody knows. I don't even have to talk about it. I just... 
That looks fun. It's still possible to be sealed with the Holy Spirit, a son or daughter of God, and still choose the desires of the flesh and the desires of this world. And so we can be sealed with his presence, yet still allow evil to be within us. It is possible to experience the Spirit at work in our lives, in particular, in removing sin in our lives. How do you think that would happen? Because I can't do anything to make it happen. He has to make it happen. And we see the Lord... We see the Lord do a work, right? When we're filled with the Spirit, He begins to push out sin. And sometimes we just need a power encounter with the Lord. We just cannot get rid of that sin. Sometimes it's just a struggle. I just, I just can't. I, I, I so badly don't want it to be in my life, but I cannot figure out how to do it. And that's where I would say these power encounters with the Lord, sometimes he just comes in and does what we can't do. He will come in and like a flood, he'll come out, or like we call him the wind of the Spirit. Good throw, right? But here's the problem. We see that it is... Man, how I can get rid of sin in my life is being so filled with his spirit, right? And he fills us and he rids us of that sin. That's one of the works that we know the Holy Spirit does. We talked about that last week. But here's another benefit of being filled with the spirit, right? When the temptations of this world want to come at us, they got nowhere to go. Like, they're trying to get in, but it can't get in. But here's also the danger. If I want to walk with the Lord in complete intimacy, being filled with his spirit and his presence. But I also want to allow the sins of the flesh and the desires of this world also. The only way that that is possible I got to make room. And we make this mistake, but this is what I want you guys to know about the Lord. He loves to fill. And in fact, this may run out. There's a whole baptismal full of water. And it's connected to a faucet that's connected to a well that does not run dry. He does not run out. It's the same. But we need to be filled. We cannot miss the power and importance. And we, we, we need to be filled so that all that stuff is out. Because if I try to live a filled life, right, but I'm also entertaining desires of this world at the same time, 
when the Lord calls us to ministry and I am supposed to pour out that which has been poured into me, when I try to do ministry but I'm allowing the taintedness of this world in my life, guess what I'm pouring out? That's what the world just received from me. When what they need is That's what we're called to do, and empty yourself out. I promise you, you empty yourself out, you won't be dry. You will not be fully empty. And when you do empty yourself out, day by day, there's more. There's more available. There's more that he loves and delights to pour into you. I hope this helped make sense. Stephen, can I uh, borrow you for a second? <laughs> Thanks, and then I'll wipe down this podium. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that clear as ping pong balls? <laughs> you can take this for me, too, please. All right, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it challenges us to be continually filled with the Spirit. Here's two reasons why this is so critical. First, if we allow God into certain areas of our life, but not all of them, we see the example that I told you about. We will pour in more than just the Lord into others. We will pour in the flesh as well. We will pour in sin as well. Second, as we pour out what God pours in, we have to be filled with more. God is very wise in this. Listen, this, God is very, very wise in creating us in such a way where we need to be continually filled and refilled. Why? Because where do I go to get the water? Back to him. What's all of this for? Listen, if you came here and you heard that I'm going to talk about being filled with the Spirit, and you immediately only thought about power encounters and ministry moments, you've missed what this is all for. He wants you. A pastor friend of mine uh, recently said uh, last weekend or the weekend before that, hey, just all of you guys who are singers, worshipers, door holders, pastors, preachers, whatever, when you go to church this Sunday, whatever ministry you're going to do, know that the Lord will every single time choose fellowship with you over that. Yeah. Every single time. That's what he's after with you. And that's what I want us to understand in this whole concept is the Lord's heart, the Lord's desire when it comes to being filled with the Spirit. Because I feel like some of us, some of us, this, this is the first time we have ever really been a part of a conversation that talks about this. Some of us, we've been there before. Some of us have just been so hungry for certain things that we've been running after, and we're just not sure that the Lord wants to fill us with His Spirit. Can I tell you that His Word, His 66-book love letter says otherwise? Over 250 times the importance of living a spirit-filled life is mentioned. What does it look like 
to be filled with the Spirit. I'm just going to read through Scripture. Many of you have seen and experienced moments where people, or maybe even yourself, have come into this encounter with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. I'm just going to read off a number of things here in Scripture alone. Acts 2.3 says, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was the day of Pentecost I mentioned already. So we see that they were filled and they began to speak in tongues and proclaim even in languages they didn't even know about. Acts 4.8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit responded to the threats that the very people who had Jesus crucified. He responded to them in such a way that when they saw Peter and John and heard the boldness and the wisdom with which they spoke, and they saw that they were uneducated, common men, but had been with Jesus, they were amazed and astonished. Filled with the Spirit can lead to a wisdom and a boldness. Acts 7.55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, this is while he is being stoned for his faith, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Wisdom again to speak what he spoke and courage to be martyred with grace and forgiveness. Do you remember what he said about to the Lord? You remember what he begged the Lord as he was being stoned by these people? The very same words Jesus did when he was being crucified. Do not hold this sin against them. Man, if you think that your flesh can come up with that response. I would more so be like, I need a Samson moment right now, Lord. Give me the jawbone of a donkey. I will take care of everybody here. Don't hold this against the Lord. And he saw glorious things. Acts 10, 44 through 46. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. I just wanted to pause just in case that happened. Okay. <laughs> Acts 13, 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And filled with the Holy Spirit brings about a joy. I love this passage. Luke 10, 21. This is talking about Jesus. In that hour, same hour, he, Jesus, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. I love that. I wish I could have seen what it looked like for Jesus to rejoice in the Holy Spirit. A joy that caused rejoicing. If, uh, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Being filled with the Spirit looks like a boldness to be a witness. Ephesians 5.18-21, we read that this morning. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I make this joke all the time. It should look like a live-action Disney movie. You should be singing to each other with spiritual songs, addressing each other with these things, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always, being filled with the Spirit provides and produces a thankfulness within you, always and for everything. Do I need to read the Greek in that too? Always and for everything. 
to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting, you're like, you can just stop there. No, being filled with the Spirit also looks like submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Unity. Holy Spirit brings unity. Being filled with the Spirit produces a submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You want to know how a co-lead pastor thing works? That passage right there. When we have a right reverential fear and understanding and love for the Lord, it produces within us an ability to submit to one another. You want to know how a marriage works? Out of reverential love and fear for the Lord, submit to one another. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit. You want to be a part of the kingdom? We have shirts out there that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Athens, as it is in heaven. What does that mean? People so filled with the spirit that the way that they're living kingdom is that they are producing righteousness, peace, and joy because they're so filled with he who is righteousness, peace, and joy. You battling sin, you battling addiction, you're battling to get past or through that thing that just keeps coming back around and get you. Can I tell you the secret? If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh. Some of you have been coming up with really good steps to put things in place in your strength, in your method, in man's strategy. When he's already told us, if by the Spirit you put those things to death, you will have life. Righteousness, filled with the Spirit, creates a hunger and a thirst for righteousness in your life. You desire righteousness. This is why I tell people all the time, from whatever walk of life, whatever sin they're dealing with in the world, I'm saying, I'm not trying to get you to adhere to this list of do's and don'ts called Christianity. I'm trying to get you into a relationship with Jesus where you have a reverential, loving relationship with him. And through that, he fills you with his spirit and he produces the desire for righteousness within you. You desire to show your love for him who died for you by living in a way that pleases him. I could care less if you do all the right things but have not love. I could care less if you do all the right things but experience not love. I'm jumping ahead. We have, we're we're going to get to intimacy in this semester, and it's going to rock our world. Galatians 5.22, Stephen preached on this last week, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you're filled with the Spirit, you will see the fruit of the Spirit come forth. It may be a moment. Listen, we are, our vessels are limited. We only have a certain size cup that we are. Some of us are more like a shot glass right now. Some of us can handle a really big mug. Either way, we're still limited. And sometimes all we can handle, and it's still too much, is when the Spirit says, I just want you right now to experience my peace. And your heart and your mind is so flooded with the peace of the Lord, somehow you find yourself still begging, this is good, but God, you got to stop. 
You just sit there and just weep because you know that you are in right standing with God who is so pleased to know you, to love you, to have died for you. You have peace. And the Spirit can so fill you with that. Sometimes he will fill you with his love. He will let you feel what he feels for other people. It's dangerous. It's powerful. These moments, sometimes we get so fixated on what it looks like that we start trying to create that in order to validate that we've been filled with the Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit like work in this way in this person, and so we're like, okay, I'm going to pray for that to happen. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. All those things that the Spirit does when he fills a person with them, they are gifts, they are fruit, they are equipping, they are many different things, but they are not the point. They're part of the plan, but they're not the point. All that you are is part of the point. All of you being surrendered to him. That's the power of being filled with the Spirit. And what it produces in the moment will be exactly what you need for exactly that part of the journey. It may be a moment of extreme ecstasy. It may be a moment of extreme power encounter. It may be a moment where you are uncontrollably overwhelmed. You may be a sobbing mess that has to be carried out. It may be a moment where you are sitting in your chair in the corner of your living room for the one millionth time together with his word, and he so fills you with his goodness and his spirit. And those scriptures come to life in a whole new way all over again. I'm not here for us to chase one particular way it looks like. I'm here to prod us to chase after he who does the filling. Chase after him. So good question. How do I get filled with the Spirit? There's an important caveat that I need to mention. We should not expect the empowerment of the Holy Spirit if we are not willing to participate in the assignment of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. We should not expect the empowerment of the Holy Spirit if we're not willing to participate in the assignment of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Okay, but I want to do it so that you will go share the gospel with the governor. That's weird. I want to be full of love. I want to send you to go witness to the governor. Yes, did you hear the love part? I know you are love. You want me to experience love, overwhelm me with love. I want, I want this gift. I want to I receive the gift of mercy, Lord. I need that in my life. I want to use that. I want to I receive. <laughs> I might be stepping on some toes here. I want to receive. I want to be a giver. So, Lord, if you would just fill me with your spirit and a lotto ticket that wins. God, I will just. <laughs> but we talked about two weeks ago the roles of the Holy Spirit. Why does the Lord even give us Holy Spirit? What's the point? 
We talked about the different things that he does. Uh, the Holy Spirit works in the world today, how he brings unity, understanding, illumination, purity, righteousness, transformation, and empowerment for ministry. How willing are you, are you to seek unity? If you're not willing to forgive somebody, but you're desiring to be filled with the Spirit, those are incongruent. I want to be filled by your Spirit. Yeah, but I come to bring unity, and you won't release unity. Is there any sin you haven't dealt with? How willing are you to turn from sin and selfishness towards righteousness and purity? I want to be filled with the Spirit, but I, I'd like to still do that one thing. I don't want to give that up. How willing are you to be wrong and to undergo a sanctifying surgery in your heart to choose things like forgiveness and mercy and grace towards others? Lastly, how willing are you to be obedient to the work of the ministry that the Holy Spirit is given to empower us to do? Acts chapter 5, verse 32, Paul says this, And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God gives to those who, what? Obey, Obey him. You want to receive the Holy Spirit? You should. But know this. The Lord fills those who are obedient with his Spirit. Is there anything I'm not willing to? to come into partnership with in his assignment in order to receive his empowerment. How else can we be filled? Allow him to clean house and have control. Is there any sin you haven't let go of? Is there any sin you haven't sought forgiveness over? Are there any areas of your life you haven't surrendered control over? Yeah, there's probably more internal nervous laughter over that one. Is there anything you have essentially told God you won't do? I joke about this all the time. Having literally gone to the bush of Africa, I can tell you, you will be okay. If you're like, Lord, I will do anything, but please don't send me to the bush of Africa. We did it, five years. You will be okay if that's what the Lord leads you to. Amen. In fact, you know what? You will see God do powerful things you never would have seen if you'd stay here. Seek him. You want to know how to be filled with the Spirit? Seek him. Hebrews 11.6 says, For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Jeremiah 29.13, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Another word I love that goes along with this seeking is desiring or thirsting. Just listen to some of these words. Just the invitation from Jesus himself in John chapter 7, verses 37 and 39. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of him will flow rivers of living water. John would go on to explain this. He was speaking about the Holy Spirit who had yet to be given. In case you were wondering, that wasn't a parable that we have to try to figure out. It's explained. The rivers of living water that when you come to Jesus to drink from that will be flowing out from you, in you, but from you. We make disciples here who experience and enjoy yes and amen and display God's love and God's glory.
thirst for him. As the psalmist says in Psalm 36, 8, drink from the river of his delights. Psalm 42, 1 through 2, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Psalm 63, 1, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That's my level of desperation for you. When I seek you with my whole heart, I seek you as a deer that pants for water and Waterless places. Luke 11, 9 through 13. Jesus' words again, an invitation. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For whoever asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will instead give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is your Father. This is his greatest gift unto you. Himself, his Son, his Spirit. And he has yet more of himself to give to those who seek, thirst, obey, desire, knock. Again, it's not about how much of the spirit you have, but about how much of you he has. It's not as much a receiving as it is a surrendering. I'm asking you to lay down your white flag. Lay down yourself. Wave your white flag. If you're just in such a place of surrender that the flag comes down with you, yes and amen. Thank the Lord and bless that. Think of it as your life and everything about your life like a house. Okay? You control what rooms, closets, attics, crawl spaces he has access to. If you want to be filled, it's not a matter of going out and getting more of the Holy Spirit to put into your house. It's about you opening all the doors, cleaning out the clutter, allowing him to clean out the clutter, by the way, and inviting him in to have complete and free reign wherever, however he wants. It requires daily, intentional, daily intentionality. Because our flesh desires and defaults to things like selfishness, laziness, comfort. That's why Jesus said we must pick up our cross daily and follow him. The cross is a symbol of death. We must die to self. Allow the spirit to crucify the desires of the flesh in our life and keep the doors of our hearts, house, mind open. And look for new doors we didn't even realize we had closed. I'm calling us to a holy surrender. And in that place, the Lord wants to fill with his spirit. And it is powerful. It is good. Listen. 
since we planted this church, we've really been in one overarching sermon series. How do we help usher in and steward revival well? What do we need to do? What do we need to prepare in order to be a people who will help usher in and steward an ongoing revival? We want to see a revival. We believe it so much. We're putting our logo where our mouth is. Revival City Church. We believe the city will be known not by its football, not by its university, not by its partying, but by the revival that began there and continued there. That's what we want. But you have to remember, what is that word, revival? What's the root of that word? Revive. When you pull somebody out of a lake who has drowned, what do you do? You revive them. How do you revive them? What do you literally do? Mouth to mouth. Their lungs are full of death. And they need life. You literally breathe into their lungs to fill their lungs with air again. This is what I love about God and in Scripture. That word for the spirit in Hebrew is ruach. In Greek, it's pneuma. Anybody care to know what that word means? Spirit, but also wind and breath. You see, when God created Adam, he gave him life when he breathed into him. When the prophet was told to prophesy over these dry bones, life, muscles, tendons, sinews came together, but still yet they were dead. And then he's told prophesy life over them. And they were breathed into. You want life? We need the wind. We need the spirit breathed into us again. A revival city will be a people who have been breathed into again. And I'm asking you to surrender to that idea. For some of you, when we're going through the concept, how can I be filled with the spirit? You need to understand I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to invite you. It's not possible outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Being sealed with the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit are all predicated by surrendering to Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Can I promise you today that that is the most beautiful decision you could ever make? You will not regret it. It is a life of continually seeking to be filled by him. But what is it that I'm talking about? Just think about it for a second. Think of the worthy journey and challenge that this is. I am seeking to be filled by him who is love. Who is, has, and brings peace. If you're struggling with joy in your life, be filled with the spirits. Live kingdom. What if I just asked you to live kingdom today? 
the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of where you're going to go to lunch that I will undoubtedly make you late for. It's not a matter of those things. That's not kingdom. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to come alive. I'm asking you to invite the Spirit to have his way. And whatever he wants to do from that point, with open hands, I'm asking you just to say yes and amen. And what he will do in you and what he will do through you will be the ultimate experience of making disciples who experience and joy and display God's love and glory. You will be as that cup that is not just filled, but is overflowing. A cup that produces a river. Think about that. The only way a cup can produce a river is how much water is available to the cup. You ever thought about that? You can have rivers of living water coming from you. Life-giving. Abundance. may I remind you that it's his heart to do that. He would love nothing more than to do that in you and through you. So if you're sitting here wondering, just thinking, I don't know if God would care to do that. If sin is in your way because of what you've done, may I remind you of what the cross says. He died for all our sins. It's not a matter of worthy, do I deserve his forgiveness and grace. None of us do. But it's because he so loved us. Because he so loved you. Because he so created you with a purpose, a plan, a future, a destiny, a desire to have you represent all that he is. That's what he wants. He wants to show you off to the world as he shows himself off through you. That's what I want to invite you into. But it will require surrender. And as I say all the time, not much, just everything. But what you get in return, I promise you. That's why he said, what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world? If you have literally everything in this world to lose, what does it profit him to gain the world but lose his soul? I promise you, when that day comes, you will not regret everything you laid down for him. Because what you receive in return is so much more. Stand with me. I'm going to invite our prayer and ministry team members to come to the front. Okay. Can I have um, some of you guys? They have lanyards, so some of them will be up here. Some of them will be back there. Um, this is what I want to do. I just, I just want to invite us into a moment. If I say what our next step challenge for this week, how do we take this and it not just be information but create transformation this week? I literally just wanna ask you to seek being filled with the Spirit. I'll send out in the midweek email some of the things of just asking the Lord to examine, getting rid of sin, surrendering control, and seeking Him. I wanna provide a moment 
where we can at the very least initiate that. I believe that there will be individuals in this room who this has been stirring in your hearts and you just want to take a moment to come and you might come to the, to the stage, you might come to the altar, you might come to one of our prayer and ministry team, member, team members, whatever it looks like. I just want you to ask the Lord to say, I surrender utterly and completely. Forgive me. Some of you may need to ask forgiveness. Some of you need to come up here and say, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Man, they would love nothing else and they would celebrate together with you. Some of you just need somebody to come alongside you and say yes and amen to your desire to be filled with the Spirit. I've already told our prayer and ministry team members this morning, I'm not asking them. I I, I laid it off of their shoulders. They don't have a pressure and neither should you to say the right things for the Lord to fill you with the Spirit. He already wants to do that. But some of you need to understand before we even do this that the journey the Lord wants to take you through is not just this, I want to do something in this moment alone. I want to take you through something this week. Slowly unraveling those things that, hey, those are ping pong balls in the cup. Those are closets that you're not letting me fill. You've got to start somewhere. So let us start today and every day be continually filled with the Spirit. Father, I pray right now. I come together in agreement with the prayer that the early church asked for. Even though we're not in the midst of persecution, I'm asking you to grant us a boldness and a courage to surrender unto you, to submit to you in order that we would be so filled by you. Fill your people, God. We are cups asking you to clean us out, make us ready, and pour into us your spirit. Touch people this morning, God. Lord, I pray that you would place callings in people's lives this morning. I pray that as they surrender unto you, a part of their future, God, is made aware to them. What you're asking them to do, how you're wanting to use them, Father. I pray that you would equip them for that moment. God, I pray that in this moment that there would be people who are so filled by your joy, God. So filled by your love. So filled by your peace. So filled by your gentleness. Whatever it is, Father, I ask that you would so fill them with your very essence. With your very character with your very heart. And I thank you for what you're going to do this morning and what you're going to do throughout this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Phoenix Athens podcast. Be on the lookout for the next step challenges and bonus episodes. You can find additional ways to engage with our church on Facebook, Instagram, and our website links below.